What's up, fans of the Sons of History? I'm Dustin Bass. And I'm Alan Joaquin. And we are going to have a very insightful conversation today. We're talking about the Kurds. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a group of people that a lot of people don't know about, including myself. I had to do some, um, obviously, some research on this. A man can only know so much, which is why I'm always impressed with like how much you know about so much. But I'm not going to just smoke, smoke, blow, <laughs> blow smoke up your butt. You're going to smoke blow? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hey, got a little twisty. This is a family show, a family-friendly show. Is it? Yeah, so don't be talking about smoking blow. Yeah, I, you know, I don't... I. I, I I think that this is a family-friendly podcast. We don't swear on it. Uh, we don't as much talk as we conversely. Like, as much as we would like to sometimes. Yeah. But um, I don't know how family-friendly it is. Like, when I say family-friendly, like, I don't know if little kids need to be listening to this show because we get into some really deep uh, conversations. But anyways, I think, I think kids and adults actually need to be listening, um, not just for the sake of listening, but because there's, there's so much out there that we need to know about and understand uh, so we can have some some reference uh, for mm-hmm. why we may perceive certain things a certain way. So before we get into the show completely, as always, what do we like to do? Book recommendations and movie recommendations. That's right. And uh, our complaints. Yeah, the, the I I honestly look forward to that. Actually, I think I look forward to that more than any other part of our show now. <laughs> I get, yeah, I've, to, I've I get to vocalize my complaint. But you didn't vocalize how much you disagreed with my first one. No, I didn't. See, and you, I you should, should have. have. I yeah. did a little bit because yeah. you were like, you were conf- don't be confrontational to the guy who's flying up on you. And yeah. I'm like, don't be confrontational. That guy's looking for con- He's being confrontational. It's too yeah. late. You shouldn't conform. And so when I was like, yeah, maybe tap your brake. No, just move. Just, just move. move. You're just only move. Te- you're only telling people that because you want them to move out of your way because you're a terrible driver. I've I'm ridden not with a ter- you. No. I've ridden with you. Uh, hold on. I'm not a terrible driver. Once. Everyone and that else was the last time. Everyone else is an idiot. I know how to weave through traffic. I know yeah. how to drive. I mean, my car, my car doesn't You know what's even interesting? Shake. It's my, like my, when I get- everyone else is an idiot. Mhm. I weave through traffic. Every time I see someone weaving through traffic, I'm like, that guy's an idiot. Okay. So if you were ever to weave through traffic around me mm-hmm. and go past me at a high rate of speed, you would point to me and be like, that idiot. And at the same time, I would point to you and be like, that idiot. You know, everywhere else in the country, oh really? The left lane is a speed lane. Oh, you don't, so you don't you don't drive there as your personal sanctuary. So you you're, you, you drive. That's the passing lane. That's the fast lane. Here in Texas, for some reason, these idiots like to get in the left lane, and they're driving slow. And when they see you coming up, they don't even move. So, Just, what, you're, so what you're telling me mm-hmm. is when you're on the road, you become a leftist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. All right, book and movie recommendation. Here we go. I'll go, I'll go first. I, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, you go first. I think you went first last time. So, it's still October. Um, let me just go ahead and say, Alex Bregman went beast mode last night, uh, Saturday night. Slammed a grand slam. Drove mm-hmm. in five runs. Uh, I think he's the first third baseman to either hit a grand slam or have five, five RBI. RBIs in one game. Yeah. So, hopefully that's his coming out party for this year's yeah. um, World Series. But anyways, 
Uh, congratulations to the Astros for breaking this son of a gun even at two games apiece. We've right. got game five tonight. Right. Um, as remember, we always do, we record, we pre-record the show. Right. So just FYI, when you guys hear this on the podcast, we may be up 3-2. Hopefully so. Right. Um, but the good thing is it's coming back to Houston. Yeah, exactly. That's what you wanted. All right, so my book, since it's still October and we're closing in on Halloween... One of my favorite books, and I'm not sure if I've, I've used this one before, but The Picture of Dorian Gray. Um, it's, a, it's a book by Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever underlined so many lines in a fiction book, but this one I just kept underlining like a lot. And I think Oscar Wilde really gives a good perspective for how, how the the mentality was turning sort of away from God and into this sort of materialist type of uh, sentiment where in the, in the late 19th century, you know, that whole, that whole turn you had, you know, Darwin, Marx, you had Nietzsche, you had all those guys sort of, you know, going in and sort of moving society as a whole sort of away from morality mm-hmm. away from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some people will be like, Darwin, how dare you say that he, you know, well, I can go really deep into that, but that's not part of the conversation. But this book is actually really good. And it goes on to um, just sort of don't judge a book by its cover type of thing. Okay. This one is really, have you read this book before? No, I have it, but I have not read it. I, okay, you, know, you I, have it, but I you haven't read it. The yeah. collection of some of the greatest works of literature. Right. Well, it's pretty. It's a pretty quick read too. Um, but there is a lot of philosophy mm-hmm. in that book from both sides. From sides that you're like, I know that this is wrong. I know that this philosophy or this doctrine of thought mm-hmm. is wrong. Mm-hmm. But man, it is presented in a the the person that presents it in the book is very you, you they're not a good person right and they really influence this this kid dorian gray um but the way that it is written and presented by oscar wilde is very it's it's done very well very deceptive um and then you have the the opposite side which is the sort of the overarching narrative of the story of like this is what happens when you don't um, sort of bone up to your own actions. Like if you don't take responsibility for what you've done um, and then see the monster that you are becoming, uh, the wickedness that that can overtake you is, well, you become uh, sort of like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Mm -hmm. type of feel. And speaking of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that's my movie recommendation. I was going to mention real quick that uh, although I didn't go visit it, I did go to, I I didn't visit his grave, but uh, when I was in Paris, um, we visited the the cemetery where he was buried. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to go see Jim Morrison um, as well as, uh, and I can never pronounce his name correctly, that historian, Heller Beloch. (laughs) Right. They were there. And yeah. Heloise and Abelard, I think that's what they're called. Um, famous uh, medieval um, history. And that, I guess that's uh, Heloise's, what was that, uh, that old comic strip? Mm, I don't know about that. This was a teacher and a 
No. And no. a student who fell in love. Yeah, but there's a, but that was from medieval times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Paris. You know what I'm talking about, like the the red beard guy and the blonde. Anyways, it doesn't uh, I matter. Peanuts and. Okay, so you just stuck with peanuts. Heathcliff. Okay, that's not even Mr. Buffo. I like Mr. Buffo. Mr. Buffo is that's awesome. Funny, he is yeah. one of my. He's yeah. probably my favorite, right behind Calvin and Hobbes. But uh, uh, Chopin is also buried there. So. Oh yeah, Frederick Chopin. Yeah. All right, so my movie recommendation is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. but the, but the uh, version that came out 100 years ago, 1920, uh, with John Barrymore. I watched this a couple of years ago um, because I had, I had purchased the book, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and in the preface, mm-hmm. it talked about this movie and how John Barrymore was able to contort his body into, like he was a handsome guy, but he could contort his body into this character, like the Incredible of Hulk, of Mr. Hyde. Yes, okay, but different and less stupid. Um, <laughs> but he was able to contort his body and his facial expressions. Mm-hmm. It's creepy, and it's a silent film. I, it's one of the. I think I don't know if I've I've watched many silent films, maybe two or three, but this one was. I was like, this is really creepy. Mm-hmm. This is a creepy movie. Uh, so if you're looking for a good Halloween movie and you're able to stream stuff, or if you're able to find it, uh, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with John Barrymore. It's the 1920 version. Really good. Very creepy because this guy who plays Dr. Jekyll also plays Mr. Hyde and he looks like two completely different characters. It's amazing. And this is before... You know, you had all the special effects, um, and and like you know, obviously they did some makeup, but so it's like uh, really good. Superman and Clark Kent. Okay, so you want to go ahead and do yours, sure. uh, since you're on a roll for stupid, stupid. things to bring up. <laughs> all right. Uh, now the reason why I'm bringing up these uh, these two, the movie and the book, is because of the subject matter that we are going to be discussing. Uh, the movie, Lawrence of Arabia, not with Michael Caine, but with Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. <laughs> yeah, Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness. Was there a Michael Caine version? No, but you know how I couldn't remember his name yeah, when no, I was talking I, about Yeah, no, I remember Zulu. that. Yeah. I just wonder why you said Michael Caine if there's no Michael Caine version, because that's, that's misleading our listeners and our viewers. We're very sorry. Anyway, okay, so Alec Guinness played Ben Kenobi. Well, not in this movie. He played Prince Faisal in this movie, which, remember that name, Prince Faisal. Uh, Anthony Quinn, Jack Hawkins, Omar Sharif, Jose Ferrer, Anthony Quayle, Claude Rains, Arthur Kennedy. Anthony Quinn plays a really good role in that. And are you going to go through the entire IMDb no, cast? Because I know you freaking love to do that. Why don't just you? The major, All the extras. Just the major characters. I didn't mention uh, Majid. And some of the minor ones. Was it Majid and Farage? Okay, can we move yeah. on? Like that's not a that's not a recommendation. That's that's just saying. Here's who in the movie. Here's who's in the movie. Why should people watch it? Okay. Well, one, the cinematography, absolutely stunning. It's some of the shots that they they Hello. have on that movie mm-hmm. are 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 classics. Like they are utilized by there's no directors to to like say here's how you take a shot. Well, there, there's no special effects. It's no CGI. No, no, uh, seventy. I think it was seventy millimeters how they filmed it, and then they had their own very special camera. They called it like the uh, David Lean camera. 
But Lawrence of Arabia is so good that if God were going to make a movie, it would have been Lawrence of Arabia. You think so? Yeah. Do you think if God was going to make a movie or... It's perfect. It's, okay. it's a perfect movie. And here's a trivia thing for you. I keep forgetting that we're live. Here's a trivia thing for you. It's like either the only movie or one of the few movies where not a single woman has a line. Now, there are women in the background that are doing the... Oh, yeah. You know what? You have made this recommendation before. Have I? Yeah, because I remember you referencing the fact that women didn't have a speaking line. Mm-hmm. But, but it's important if people watch... It's important if people for them watch to see this, this movie, so yeah. that they can have some pretty good... Right. And entertained at the same time, because it, it does a good job of, of sort of giving you a step-by-step process right. of like the, the World War II and then post-World War II type stuff. If you remember King Hussein of Jordan, that was his family. So the present king of uh, Jordan, mm-hmm. that's like a great-grandfather. Those are like his great-grandfather and great-great-uncles. Um, so it, it's good if you watch it, you kind of get an idea of some of the characters yeah. that, that take place in history. Right. Um, which leads me to my book recommendations, which I may have recommended this, but again, because of the subject matter. And uh, that book is called A Peace to End All Peace, and it's by David Frumkin. Now, at the end of World War One, Is he related to Peter Frumkin? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that singer. <laughs> um, the ending of World War One, and since this is a family show, I can't say cluster, but that's what happened. Yeah. Um, there was such an opportunity to create a new world that we would have had peace. But instead, it just laid the seeds for the Second World War. And not only that, but in the Middle East, it laid the seeds for the current conflicts we still have today. Um, The Arabs were promised their own homelands, but Britain and France wanted land. They wanted colonies, and they created colonies. They created, uh, or protectorates, Uh, they created Palestine and Transjordan and Iraq. And they divvied divvied it up with the King Faisal and his brother Abdullah. And then Palestine, within 25 years, had turned into a powder keg between the Jews and the Arabs. Now, Abdullah, is that... Abdullah Oblongata? No. Hmm. And moving on. Okay. So, I don't know where you get some of your crap from. (laughs) But if you want to know why the the modern Middle East is the way it is, Mm -hmm. I I love Britain and I love France. But you can think they screwed things up. Yeah. They screwed things up. And I'll. I'll explain later on. In a on. lot of different places. Yeah, not yeah, just not, the Middle not East. Just Europe. Well, yeah. But, Asia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, but, and I think that's a really fitting title for, a, for the book. Yeah. A Peace to End All Peace. Peace to End All Peace. And it, and it goes back to the whole, um, you know, almost like, what is it, the, the phrase? I think it was Neville Chamberlain. You know, this is obviously post-World War One and trying mm-hmm. to not get into World War Two, and it becomes the peace at all cost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, 
because of what you did in 1919 and 1920, like it's too late. Like you've already screwed everything up and now you're, you're reaping the the grapes of wrath, if Mm -hmm. you will. Um, so, uh, complaints, shall we? Please. All right. Here is my complaint. And I think that whoever's watching, whoever's listening will, will probably be able to relate and maybe this will offend some people as well. Because you may be a culprit. Okay, service dogs. Big fan of service dogs. I think it's an amazing thing that people are have been able to train dogs to walk blind people, um, really sick people, um, sort of just to, to guide them and help them either in their house, outside, at the grocery store. I'm always impressed by it, you know, and they're very strict about you know, they're, the dogs, when they're in training, like, mm-hmm. you can't mess with them. Like, I, I I remember there was this there was this guy, and I was like, he felt, it felt like he was a jerk. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I realized, like, he's still training this dog. And although this dog is a lab and it looks cute, I do understand why he's like, no, you can't pet the dog. Because the dog has, is being trained not to be some lovable pet for kids. It's being trained to help somebody who, who needs help. Now, that being said, the anxiety animals, the people that bring rabbits and dogs and cats of just random sorts, peacocks, I don't know. But I'm, I'm really getting irritated at seeing people just walk their dogs into the Home Depot, into the HEB, just willy-nilly. And I'm like, these aren't service dogs. You are a healthy individual. Why do you, why, why are you bringing an animal into a place where animals are not allowed? Mm-hmm. It obviously states no animals allowed. And you know what? These people will be like, oh, this is my service dog. This is my, you know, anxiety dog. There was, and now it's not even, all, there are some times where it's the anxiety thing. Which I still don't, I still am like, okay, do you have a doctor's note? You know, what is the deal? Get in the plane or get wherever you, you can't be just, it's just really irritating. I, I just, I'll see it all the time. I'll see it maybe once a week, no less than a few times a month. Somebody will just walk a dog into the Home Depot. Saw it the other day. I'm like, the dog is behind the person, right? Mm. So it's like. You don't need this dog. This dog is not helping you. Okay. What are they helping you, you know, get lumber? Now I'm belaboring the point. But now it's like you have, I had a moment. Um, so, you know, I go to Hope City, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is a church here in Houston. Um, and so I was over taking, taking care of a lot of, um, like I was one of the greeters. So people would come in and blah, blah, blah. Well, we had just gotten through like sort of going over the, the point with everybody. And like, look, no animals are allowed in the school or the church, right? Unless they're a service dog, unless it's a person who it's like, it's an actual service animal. And now people are abusing this whole anxiety thing. This lady comes in mm-hmm. with a dog in a bag. 
Like not like a knapsack, but like, in one of those carriers. Okay. But it's like one of those like cloth carriers. And what does she say? And like me and this me and this chick, like we stop her and, and we're like, um, is that a is that a dog? She's like, Yes, it's 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 a service dog. Can and I... we both look at her like, service dog? Mm-hmm. And like, no, it's not. Because it's in a bag. Okay. Like and she's like, no, it's not. It's just I'm like, well, yeah, you can't bring it in. People it, are abusing this privilege. And it really irritates. Go ahead. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is this about my mother? Does she have a service dog? She has a service dog. She has a service dog. But but it's a little poodle that she carries around in a bag. <laughs> but does she take it to the grocery store? Yes. Okay. Why? Because she feels more comfortable with the dog. Okay. Well, she makes everybody else feel uncomfortable. You need to call your mother and say, Mom, stop. Yeah, enough is you enough. You do that. Take the, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll call what? her right now. Here. I'll Put give her on the you, phone. I'll, I'll give you her number. Put her on the phone. <laughs> when this show is over. You're a lovely lady, but you got to. Unbelievable. No, I just. There's a lot, of, it, there's a lot of old people that. There are a lot of old people. Stay out of the grocery store. You know, a lot go of. Go hire somebody to, to go and. and you know, many of these dogs are cleaner than many of the people who go into some of these facilities. That may be true. That may be true. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter. They're a human being. They get to go inside. Go ahead. But that's my complaint. I am tired of seeing these random animals in place, like restaurants and grocery stores and, and wherever. Take them to the park. You know, you want to feel better about yourself? Go take a walk. I'm done. Are you done? I don't think so. <laughs> All right. My complaint. Hollywood. How many times do they have to take a great story and ruin it with something stupid like the movie Pearl Harbor? Where they have, uh, I don't know, Ben Affleck and that other dude. Josh Harnett. Thank you. Falling in love with, well, I mean. Kate Beckinsale. I I understand uh, She's my number one above all the number ones. I've uh, admired her since Much Ado About Nothing. I've admired her since Underworld 1. Much Ado About Nothing is, came before that. Did it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a cutie. Mm. She's a doll. She is. Um, but where was I? Oh, yeah, Hollywood. Okay, so there's a new movie coming out, Midway, which I'm still going to watch. Mm-hmm. But then I saw something that said, based on real events. Yeah, that's from the beginning. Now, anyone who has read um, books about Midway, like I would recommend Walter Lord. He wrote a book called Incredible Victory. Um, Anyone who knows the story of Midway, you don't need to do anything to it to make it more exciting. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most exciting episodes in American history. I mean, world history. World history. Probably one of the most important pivotal battles in the world. Mm-hmm. Japan was on the march, and they were conquering everywhere they went. Yeah. Now, granted, yes, a month before at the Battle of Coral Sea, they were stopped, but they were not defeated. The uh, Battle of Midway was just an overwhelming victory when the odds were overwhelmingly against us. There's enough story in there to make it exciting. Isn't this a little preemptive, though? You haven't, no. you haven't seen the movie yet. No, but I saw some characters talking about stuff that I know has nothing to do. It's kind of like the Midway that came out uh, with Charlton Heston. Yeah. And they added the little love story with his son and that uh, Japanese girl. 
Well, was, was, you gotta have, you gotta well, have a love you story. You know, Tora, 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 great that was, movie. That, that was more like a documentary. Longest Day, great movie. You didn't, they didn't. It was a good movie. Right, and there's no... No, way. I agree. Like, if it's a wartime thing, you don't need the whole, please come back home to me. Yeah, you don't. You, you don't, don't need it. No, you don't. There's enough action to go around. And then, not only that, but sometimes they'll fictionalize much of what is in the movie. Yeah. Um, now, okay, the William Wallace Braveheart. I mean, it's a great story as it is, mm-hmm. but they they added so much into it, alluding to the fact that William Wallace was the real father of Edward III. Yeah. She was like seven years old when uh, William Wallace was executed. Yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, but... You I don't mean, know. don't let people think that he's the father of Edward III. That's just... No. According to the movie, the ages line up. It's okay. okay. The Patriot. Patriot, same thing. Now, there, there was Francis Marion, the, you know, the Swamp Fox. True story. Just do, the life, do a story about him. Now, if they want to add some of the stuff in there. Okay, I can understand that. That'd be a great fictionalized account, kind of like Titanic. And yet, but, and yet you're a fan of the life of Brian. Wow. Which yeah, is but that's which fiction. Is, uh, <laughs> First of all, I don't it's think based it's based on real events. I don't th- yeah, it's based on real events. You know, the Romans were in Jerusalem. What was that uh uh, R- Romani eight ain't two or whatever ain't two. Yeah. But Moving on. anyway, so Hollywood just needs to. I think be they got faithful. Gladiator right. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, Commodus lived another what eighteen twenty years. Yeah, Commodus did well, but he was the son of Marcus Aurelius. He was the son of Marcus Aurelius, and in fact, and Maximus Decimus Meridius. I may or even, may not have existed. I don't. Yeah, but but um, they were well, actually like they were actually co um, co emperors. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talk about a like an apple that fell far from the tree. Jeez, Louise. Marcus yeah, now Commodus was a bad. Uh, yeah. he was a bad hombre. All right, so we're going to get started with the show. Um, Facebook Live people, thank you very much for joining us. We're going to go ahead and sign you out and. Be sure to listen to the entire conversation on the Kurds. There's a lot of stuff always going on in the Middle East. Um, and with some stuff that's happened with us, obviously, yeah. withdrawing troops from, I guess, the, the Syrian part of, of Kurdistan. And see the journalists, the reporters from yeah, they're ABC, NBC, a lot of CBS, they're not telling you the whole story. Correct. They're saying one thing. Their narrative is a certain thing. Mm-hmm. But there is so much... Yeah. So much to the story. You're not going to be able to get it in a five-minute yeah. sound. Well, I mean, they're just not going to mention it. Remember that yeah. video that we saw? Yeah, we saw that, it. I mean, it's very I mean, obvious what they're trying to do. They're trying to make... Um, it they're was, not even It was so story. one-sided. Yeah. And I, I, I'm sitting here going, why don't you tell the whole story? If you're and spending a lot this of much time... Is, a lot of those people don't even... Either they don't know the story, they don't care about the story. One of the two. But if there's an agenda to be had, mm-hmm. there you have it. Um, so, All right, so before we get into sort of the modern era, uh, can we quickly go over sort of the, a brief history of, of the Kurds? Um, I think we can go back, what, maybe a couple of thousand years? No, not that. Well, if, if, the, if, if we... That, you know, that part's the, not going to be as important. Yeah. What, 
Um, I mean, but they do stem from the from the Persians, right? From the Medes and Persians. Well, the uh, the Kurds actually, uh, if you created one Kurdistan, mm-hmm. it would be parts of uh, southwest southeast Turkey, northern Syria, northern Iraq, and northwestern Iran. Which so, is sort of what it. I mean, which is what it is. Yes. Um, Although it's not now. Now the Kurds are mostly Sunni, but you will have uh, some Shia. Mm-hmm. And um, a smattering of smattering. Christians. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So you know, you know the the but Kurds it's about nine, almost about ninety-seven percent. Uh, I don't have the figure on exactly. Yeah, that's but one they, of the last numbers I heard. Yeah, they're primarily Sunni, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is ironic because um, they went to war with ISIS, which was mm-hmm. Sunni, um, and Saddam Hussein went to war with them because and, and Saddam Hussein was Sunni. Uh, but they're 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 different. They're not considered Arabs now, uh, which is kind of ironic because the the most famous Kurd in history mm-hmm. is a guy by the name of and it depends on who how you want to call him. But uh, me, I call him Salah ad-Din, Saladin. Um, he was the guy who captured Jerusalem mm-hmm. during the whole Crusader period, which compelled. King Richard I, the Lionheart of England, you had Philip II of France, and then you had Frederick Barbarossa of the Holy Roman Empire. Um, The three of them led their forces to liberate Jerusalem from the Kurds, from the Muslims. Mm -hmm. Um, Salah ad-Din was a very, very good general. Um, now, Barbarossa, Frederick Barbarossa, uh, he fell off his horse in a river in modern-day Turkey and drowned. Um, now, Philip II and uh, Richard I, they really, there was an antagonism between them. They weren't really united. And at one point, Philip II went back hmm. to France. So King Richard fought Salah ad-Din. They were very respectful of each other, but, but uh, Salah ad-Din kept Jerusalem. Uh, he wasn't a very good man. He he killed. I mean, he slaughtered um, Christians. He slaughtered anyone that got in his way. Mm-hmm. Um, he captured a town. He put the people to the sword, his captives to the sword. Yeah. But he is considered the most famous Kurd. Okay. Okay. Now we can skip ahead mm-hmm. and let's go to 1916. Okay. Okay. Now I mentioned Lawrence of Arabia, the Arab Revolt. Now, this happened in what's called the Hejaz part of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire controlled much of the Middle East, Mm -hmm. Uh, not Persia, but but they controlled much of the Middle East. There was no Iraq or Syria, Lebanon, uh, Palestine, Jordan. None of those, there wasn't even a Saudi Arabia at that time. Um, the, The Ottoman Empire controlled that whole area. Well, the Arabs revolted against the Turks, Mm -hmm. and this is where Lawrence of Arabia comes in. You have General Allenby, and they had promised the Arabs that if you help us defeat the Turks, we will give you your homeland. You you can run it. Now, there was a secret agreement called the uh, the Sykes-Picot Agreement. Um, This was uh, formalized in 1916. What the British and French decided to do was they were going to redraw the map of the Middle East after the Ottomans were destroyed. 
and they were going to create these these spheres of influence where they either had colonies or they were protectorates. From this, when the, when the Turks were defeated, the French took Syria, and then later on it was partitioned and Lebanon came out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, what they did, and this is what the British did, and, and this was really very short-sighted, was that the countries that they created, they put enough diverse people who hated each other into each country mm. so that they could never unite against the French or the British rulers. Wow. Okay. Ha- happened in Lebanon, happened in Syria. So what, what you had... What were some of the countries that they created? Like just okay. maybe, this, maybe ones that we know. Okay, uh, Iraq. Right. Now, um, <clears throat> King Faisal, Alec Guinness plays King Faisal. He was promised to be the king of Syria. Alec Guinness plays King Faisal in mm-hmm. the movie. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Yes. But, but you king can just Faisal, say King Faisal. King Faisal um, became the king of Syria very briefly until the French came in, and they fought a battle, and they kicked him out. Now, the, the British were like, okay, we're going to create a new country called Iraq, and it's going to have portions of Kurdistan. It'll have portions of the Sunni sections in the middle, and it'll have sections of the Shiites in the southern portion. Mm-hmm. So Iraq is not even 100 years old. The concept of an Iraq is not even 100 years old. But it was created for King Faisal, and it had people who hated each other. Rather than create a Kurd, a Kurd region, or a Shiite and a Sunni, so that they could, you know, run their own affairs. Yeah. They put everyone together. They did the same thing in Lebanon, the French eventually, mm-hmm. um, and Syria also. Syria has Kurds. Syria has um, Sunnis, has Shiites, uh, has Assyrians, and they all just did not get along with each other. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of Assyrians also in uh, in Iraq. Now the Assyrians are Christians, and there's also Yadizis and right. You know, so you have all these different groups. Mm-hmm. And then we know about what happened in Palestine, where they let Jews come in. They let um, you know they, there were Arabs there, there were Druze there, which are kind of a, a Shiite uh, sect. So they should have just let them create their own little countries where you had self-determination each each group like sort of referencing the Woodrow Wilson right yeah. right you know like Lebanon Lebanon they carved out Lebanon to include Shiites Druze mm-hmm. Christians and um, Sunnis and I reference Woodrow Wilson listeners uh, because that's one of the things that he wanted to implement uh, post World War One was self determination. That mm-hmm. was sort of the doctrine that he wanted to implement. And say, ha- everyone, you know, there. He was very anti um, empire, mm-hmm. or uh, and so he was like, they should be able to choose which you know how they how they're going to rule themselves as mm-hmm. a, as a nation as all autonomous nations yeah. uh, instead of un, un being under the French Empire or the British Empire and stuff. Well, or the Ottoman. Now, the, the Austrian Empire did disintegrate, and there were people that, that were, they did have their self-determination. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they included uh, the Germans within Czechoslovakia, which would later haunt them because that was Hitler's excuse to go into the uh, Sudetenland. They, they did not want um, Austria to unite with Germany. 
They did not want the Sudetans to reunite with Germany. It came back to haunt them. Mm -hmm. The Ottoman Empire, the, the German colonies in Africa and um, the, uh, the Asian Pacific region, what they should have done was given them their freedom. Mm -hmm. But instead, Britain and France and Belgium went in there and took over portions of the old German empires uh, in Africa. And then Australia and Japan took over the Pacific region. Okay, so instead of making the world safe for democracy, as Woodrow Wilson said, mm -hmm. it became, after the, the Treaty of Versailles, World War I became the British and the French and whoever else just gobbled up what was formerly central power nations. Yeah. Where's the self-determination? Right. Had they been looking far into the future, mm -hmm. we would not have the problems we have today. Yeah. We really would not. So, um, now, there was what was, and I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. I'm, it's, uh, it's a French word, the Treaty of Severus or something yeah, like that. We'll just go with that. S-E-V-R-E-S. Yeah. Uh, it was signed in 1920, and it pretty much um, just annihilated Turkey as a, as a country or the Ottoman Empire. There was no more Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. uh, there was going to be a Republic of Armenia or, or an Armenian Republic yeah. um, that straddled modern-day Turkey and Russia. Well, the Red Army captured the, the, what later became the Soviet Armenians, mm -hmm. and the Armenians in eastern Turkey, well, so many millions of them were annihilated by the Turks. It was yeah. a genocide, right. which they have yet been Nobody's, accounted for. Yeah. So um, now... Part of the agreement also was that they were going to look into the possibility of the southeastern portion becoming kind of a Kurd autonomous zone, or maybe there, there wasn't really a talk of a Kurd republic, mm -hmm. but just a Kurd zone of influence or a, or a Kurdish autonomy. Remember, the Kurds were spread out over four countries, mm -hmm. um, and it's still to this day going on that way. And right. this is where I get upset with the journalists because they're not telling the whole story. Exactly. Which is going to be important later on when we discuss um, Trump's uh, decision to pull out. Um, now, the Treaty of Severus never came about because the Turkish War of Independence, uh, the, the Turks rose up. Um, uh, Kamala, was it Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, the father of the Turks. Okay. He's the guy who created modern Turkey, the Republic of Turkey. And he... He was pro-Western, and he, he turned it into a, into a republic. It used to be the caliphate. He said, no, we're going to be a secular nation. We're mm -hmm. going to be pro-Western. And he, I mean, he was, in the eyes of the Western world, he was a good guy. Even mm -hmm. though he fought for the central powers during the war, um, he, he was still a good guy. He was very long. He, he, he had a vision. What ended up happening is the, uh, the Greeks got kicked out. They, they captured Armenian. They captured Kurdistan territory. Um, the Greeks had been in uh, western Turkey along the coast since the beginning of time, you know, like the Iliad. Those were all Greek-speaking people. Mm -hmm. um, they were kicked out, completely kicked out. They lost, and they were thrown out of the country. Okay. Uh, the Treaty of Luzon was signed, and that created the Republic of Turkey that we have pretty much today, with the exception of a small portion, but that's, that's not important or pertinent to this conversation. Okay. So now, um, now let's take a look at the Kurds. Um, 
They've had a rough time. Um, they were massacred by Saddam Hussein, who used sarin and mustard gas. Mm-hmm. Estimates of fifty to 100,000 killed. Um, the Kurds say 182,000 were killed. Uh, during the Iran and Iraq war, uh, Iranian warplanes, not only the Iraqi, but Iranian warplanes would bomb the Kurds. Yeah. The Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, all considered the Kurds a threat because they want independence. Yeah. Um, and they all have large chunks of those nations, yeah. land-wise. So now in 2003, when uh, we invaded Iraq, mm-hmm. uh, Gulf War II, uh, the Iraqi Kurds established their own autonomy, and they had their own army, the Peshmerga, uh, who are our allies today. Right. Okay, but you know, that's an Iraqi Kurd, Kurdish force. Very, very good military. Mm-hmm. They are not the Syrian Kurds. They are not the Turkish Kurds. Now, the Turkish Kurds, the Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK, mm-hmm. they're communist. Right. They're considered, even by the United States, as a, ter- as a terrorist organization. Right. Turkey's been at war with them for a very long time. So when you think of the Kurds, don't look at it as just one people, because right. it's not. It's, it's multiple. It's right. multiple. They're spread out. Iranian uh, like I said, Iranian, Iraqi, well, they're in, Syrian. They're in different countries, they're so obviously countries. they're going to be different. Right. Yeah. And they have been warring with their ma- masters, warlords, whatever you want to say, whoever's running the country. They've been at war with them nonstop. Yeah. Okay. Um, Trump, he decides that he we, we, he wanted to defeat ISIS. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, l- last night, the... Um, the leader of ISIS, uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, yeah. we took him out. He's dead. Right. Uh, the little coward ran into a dead-end tunnel with three children and uh, blew himself, blew himself up. up. Yeah. yeah. So that's we're, one, we're little, winner. one little cockroach that we don't have to worry about exactly. anymore. Um, so ISIS has pretty much been eliminated. Mm-hmm. So President Trump is like, okay, we had, what, was it 28 men in there? Was it 28, 1,000? I keep hearing different. But, well, but what, depending what you, on what country that, that you're referencing. Well, uh, in, in, in the Syrian portion Oh, in the Syrian Kurdistan. portion, I think there was like 1,000. I, I heard 28. But he, there were, uh, I forgot which um, area, I think maybe he was referencing Turkey, that there were 28? I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't but, know, but... Turkey, again, considers the Kurds a threat, mm-hmm. and, for, and for good reason. I'm not going to sit and say who's the good guy, the bad guy at this point in Turkish or Syrian Iraq, uh, Syrian uh, Kurdistan. I, I love the Iraqi Kurds. I, I think that they are as good a friend as, say, you know, Jordan, uh, Israel, Egypt, um, just v- very good people. Mm-hmm. Now, they, here's where the media is upsetting me. They keep saying we're abandoning the Kurds. We're abandoning the Kurds. They're getting out of Syria. Yeah. Syria has a government, and it is a Russian. It's part of the Russian sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Now the Russians and the Turks and the Syrians are all like, we we will patrol the area. Okay, we def- we defeated ISIS. Yeah. Let's get out of there. Right. There's a history of occupation within the Middle East that ends up. Whether it's, whether it's a peacekeeping force or whether you, you know, I mean, look what happened with, with Britain in, in Palestine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, the, the British were targeted in Palestine. Eventually, you can, 
You got to get too out. Long. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can wear out your welcome, yeah. especially in the Middle East. Now, the Kurds are not going to be the threat, but there are some bad people in that region. Mm-hmm. And they hear that there are American troops. Now, now that ISIS is wiped out, now they're going to be like, okay, why are the Americans exactly. still why here? Why are you still here? Yeah. And and they will. Because there's almost like two two options. Like one, you may you may hate Americans, so you're like you need to leave, mm-hmm. or you may become just suspicious of why Americans why, are still there. Yeah, like, why are you uh, still here? Didn't you come here just to wipe out help wipe out ISIS and right. then move on? Uh huh. Well, then move. Now I know that we we are still helping the Syrian Kurds, but. President Trump just doesn't want American boys killed there. Right. It's like, okay, we can still use the drones. And the drones are used quite mm-hmm. effectively. And I always, I keep finding it so comical mm-hmm. that they, uh, the media will call President Trump a warmonger. Like, look. He's the exact opposite. <laughs> if, there, if we've had a president who's a warmonger mm-hmm. lately, it's not been him. No. Like, he's worked to not get into conflicts. I mean, he called off a, a strike here recently. Well, he's pulling yeah. out from Syria. It's just like, you can't say that he's a warmonger and mm-hmm. then start complaining that he's getting out of Syria. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, he, he's pick, sending pick his... one and then stick with it. Right. He's sending his boys back home. Isn't that what the motto of the... Uh, the... Yeah. When did that become like a, a bad thing? Like, oh, he's saying, well, you know, he's sending the soldiers back home. Like, when did that become bad? He's trying to make peace with North Korea. He's trying to keep the peace with Russia. Yeah. Um, with China, he sees China as a, as an economic and military threat. And they are. And they are. You know, the um, part of this these tariffs that we're having, I believe, um, what is it, like the patents or something where, uh, in, oh, something to, uh, integrity or whatever the word is. Are you where, proprietary? Yes, yeah. that's the where word. Or they keep stealing everything? Yes. Yeah. And China is stealing They've our been stealing God, for God knows how long. Right. And you I forgot to... how many, I think, trillions of dollars mm-hmm. it's worth mm-hmm. of what they've taken. But anyways, moving but, on back to what we were talking about. So, I mean, I'll give you an ex- I'm going to give you an example of, like, peacekeeping. Now, in, um, in 1982, 83, um, Italians, French, and British, along with uh, U.S. Marines, were stationed in Beirut. For peacekeeping, mm-hmm. that's what they were there for, peacekeeping. And they got attacked. And there were like 240-plus Marines that were killed when a suicide bomber uh, drove into the uh, Marine barracks. Uh, The French, same thing happened to them. The Italians were attacked. um, The British were attacked. And at one point, the USS New Jersey, the battleship, had to uh, uh, shell parts of Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And then we had to bomb Lebanon just to fight off these people who were like, we don't want the Americans here, and we're going to kill them until they get out. Same thing was going to happen eventually in Syria, which was the same thing that happened in Iraq. I mean, there were, there were Arabs and Muslims from around the world that went into Iraq or Afghanistan to fight American troops. The Soviet Union drew Muslim fighters, the Mujahideen, from the, around the world. They came to fight the Soviets in Afghanistan. And look what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how many people did we lose in Iraq? In the Middle East, there's a saying, when two brothers are fighting and a cousin comes in to assist one of the brothers, Mm -hmm. the two brothers will unite to fight the cousin and then go back and resume their fight. 
that's just the way it's going to be. We can't stay there. Exactly, because we're like a third cousin twice removed. Well, they look at us as, as another Britain or France or mm-hmm. Turkey. We're that imperial force that wants to go in there and then stay there. Mm-hmm. The, and they don't, they don't want us there. And you know what? If they don't want us there, why are we there? Yeah, and that doesn't mean that everybody doesn't want us there. There are obviously some people who do, mm-hmm. but it's like it comes down to American interests, mm-hmm. And I think the the biggest interest would be lives. Don't you know? Mm-hmm. If you don't have to, then don't. Now the um, there's a guy by the name of uh, Mazlum Abdi. Now he's the Syrian Kurd leader of the Syrian Defense Forces. Um, Syrian Kurd. It's a Syrian Kurdish militia. Um, they they worked with the United States. Um, in fact, they helped us. Um, locate that Al Al Bakr, um, the guy that just got killed. the guy that just got killed yeah. yesterday. Uh, they provided intelligence, so we still work with them. Mm-hmm. But they were very grateful. I mean, this is the Syrian Kurd leader saying yeah. we were very grateful for uh, Trump assisting in the um, the ceasefire. You know, Trump is like, look, don't attack the Kurds. If you do, we're going to apply military... Yeah, I'm we sorry, gotta, we're going to... Uh, economic sanctions. Now, Turkey is our ally. We cannot attack Turkey. Mm-hmm. They are our ally. They're part of NATO. But he told the, per- the president of, of, uh, of Turkey. Turkey, who's kind of a fundamentalist Muslim, mm-hmm. he said, if you, if you violate the peace treaty, we're going to impose economic sanctions. Mm-hmm. And it's going to hurt Turkey. Yeah. Because it's crushing Iran, mm-hmm. that's for sure. So, um, you know, like I said, you, you've got different Kurdish forces in play. You have four different Kurdish forces in play, okay? Um, many of our troops that were in Syria are now going to be stationed mm-hmm. in Iraq. Yeah. Now, the, the, the Peshmerga are there fighting. There are still elements of ISIS within Iraq. Mm-hmm. And soon, they're, they're going to be gone too. So, this whole thing about abandoning... Um, the Kurds, either we stay and do like what Israel did in southern Lebanon, where they have, like, they patrol, and they were eventually kicked out. They were eventually kicked out of Lebanon. And you're if, not if, kicked out with, with a boot to the butt. Like, no, I understand no, that. It's, you're, it's, you're shot and killed until you're Yeah, and, and they out. will not stop no. until they kill you and get you out. So... So the very idea of having an American zone of occupation in northern Syria when we've already defeated ISIS is, is crazy. And Pres- I'm sure, I want to I preface real quick, and I don't mm-hmm. want to break your, your thought, but uh-huh. there are probably some listeners like, ISIS has not been defeated. It has not been defeated. Look, of course there are going to be remnants there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is even if ISIS is not completely defeated, let's say that it is completely defeated. Okay. There are no more ISIS members. That mentality, that ideal, that corruption of, of the Quran, as they, as they say, mm-hmm. it's like uh, you're turning the Quran into something that it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea is still going to be there. There will be another group mm-hmm. to come out. Yeah. And become a terrorist group. Yeah, and I, it just happens. And then you strike that. But you don't stay and then wait for it to happen. Yeah, I, Because you will only increase the 
I think you shorten the time span because then you have a lot of people who are like, why are these Americans here? Get out, get out. Because propaganda is very strong in those areas Mm -hmm. that everyone, you know, in the Western world is imperialist. They want our land. They just want to, they want our oil. And so you turn that into a propaganda doctrine. And I think you just increase uh, or you speed up the time that it takes to create another ISIS type of, of group. Well, when we were attacked on 9-11, mm-hmm. there was no ISIS. Right. It was Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Now, there's still an Al-Qaeda, yeah. but ISIS pretty much, you know, they took over as the leader of the, uh, the terrorist movement. Now, there's still going to be elements around the world, yes, right. and there are sleeper cells around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, now, spheres of influence. America's sphere of influence is going to be the Western Hemisphere, Okay. We don't want Russian forces here. We don't like the fact that Russian forces exist in Cuba and Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Russia, their sphere of influ- influence is Syria and Iran. That is their friend. Um, you know, we protect Jordan, we protect Israel, and we, and we protect Egypt. We give them money. We help them out. Mm-hmm. The Syrians, okay, uh, Bashar Assad's a bad guy. But what are we going to do? Are we going to go in there and eliminate him and then have some Islamic force that's worse than him yeah. come in? I mean, look what happened when Mubarak was overthrown. Right. The, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood came in. They're like, they are the umbrella of terrorism. They're not a moderate force. Yeah. They, they're, they're bad people. And I'm glad that they were overthrown themselves. Yeah. I don't care if it was a violation of democracy. Hitler was elected, okay? The, uh, Hamas was elected in, in, uh, in the Gaza Strip. Yeah. You know what? If, if certain people are going to be elected and they're overthrown, I'm not going to weep over it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lose any sleep. But if the Russians and if the Turks want to go in there and, and provide a buffer zone, let them. Yeah. Let them get killed, Okay. I'm not going to—I don't hate Russia. I, I don't. Yeah. But I'm not going to lose sleep if Russian troops have to sit and fight elements of some, you know, like the Judean People's Front or the People's Front of Judea, but the Syrian version. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, hey, why is Russia stationing troops along the Turkish border? Yeah, I mean, let the Russian government try to explain to the Russian people why Russian troops are over there yeah. instead of— us having to do it just, like, like I mean, argument like just if you then that's the way i just see it it's sort of like when when george bush sent troops into kuwait he got in took care of business and they got out mm-hmm. like that's how i think it should be it's like you you go but you don't take your tents with you you don't it's, it's not a camping trip you go in and you you take care of and, and sometimes it takes a long time mm-hmm. yes that's true but once the job is done like, go and don't try to manipulate the situation and say, you're betraying us or, mm-hmm. or you're and, and the American media trying to turn it into something to where it's like, oh, he's he's betraying. Yes, the Kurds have been good to us. They've been really good to us, mm-hmm. probably the probably better than anybody else in that region, aside from Israel. Um, and maybe you could throw in in Jordan. I would put Jordan in Egypt. Um, but aside from that, it's like. It doesn't mean just because you're pulling troops out of Syria mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, okay, we don't like you anymore. We're not here. And I think that, that Trump sort of, 
explained it pretty pretty well, and he's like, "Look, we we there's can't no protect. A, there's them. no agreement that we've made that we mm-hmm. have to be there for." He said, "For humanity, for the existence of humanity, yeah. for just like forever. Mm-hmm. That's not. There's no agreement there that we have to stay." I mean, I like the idea of providing training. You know, the the Kurds catch snap pretty quickly. Provide them with training. Provide them with weaponry. If you don't like the Syrian president, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's it is a he is. It's a one of those. It, it's sort of one of those. Um, what do you do with Saddam Hussein? Yeah, you know. I, I mean, mean look you, what... yes, you you want to kill the guy. You want to have the guy removed, um, and then you end up doing that. But then what? What happens next? Mm-hmm. And those things are unforeseeable as far as uh, pinpointing exactly what will take place. But what what you have take place is the rise of ISIS. I mean, look at Libya. Now, okay, um, I mean, was it Qaddafi? Qaddafi was killed. Correct. Yeah. And look where Libya is today. It's anarchy. So it's it's like, man, you're in between Iraq and a hard place. I've heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't you say Iraq in a hard place? I like to say Iraq. But for the joke to be better, I I think you should should say it the way you said. Iraq in a hard place. So, you know, now I, I regret even saying it like I did now that you said Iraq. Uh, I really butchered that one, didn't you, I? You tried. I did try. Yeah, you did try. And I tried to get you to spit your coffee out. <laughs> so, but, the, you know, it's it's one of those things like, what do you do? And I, I know um, there are a lot of just there. It's, it's a bit of a um, sort of a an anomaly mm-hmm. in that region, the Kurds are. Um, because they they allow sort of this democracy. Well, they do. They they allow this democracy to take place in their in their region. You know, in their parliament, they have um, seats in parliament that are dedicated to the minority groups. Mm-hmm. And those minority groups, like Christians, um, Zibidi, how do you say it? Um, the, 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 I know what you're talking about. They're not Christian. They're right, kind of, right. But it's a minority group. Yadizi or Yazidi. Yeah. One of those two. And they are, even if they don't have enough votes, even if they don't win in their election, those minority groups are, they have select amount of seats. So mm-hmm. there is some representation for those minority groups in the, there. This and is, it's like, you know, this is it's, why you need autonomy. Correct. I mean, okay. that's what that's what needs to happen mm-hmm. over there. Will Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Turkey allow that to happen? No. Highly unlikely. No, because uh, now granted the Kurds do have an autonomous zone. Iraqi mm-hmm. troops are not allowed to go into Kurdistan. But you know how we've had our discussion about how here in the United States... Californians think one way. Texans think another. The the people of New Hampshire, Vermont, New York, Massachusetts, Illinois, all you're gonna name off differently. I'm just throwing like some examples, but this is why you shouldn't. You know, like was it the United States? uh, uh, Are they trying to push like uh, where dog abuse or animal abuse is a federal offense? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's already a state offense. Yeah. You don't need to make every single state law into a federal law. What do they What do they call that? Um, posturing. That's all it is. Yeah, it's such a freak. There's already a state law. Yeah, and when you put.
push your views on people who don't want to abide by those views, that is a form of tyranny. Mm -hmm. All right. I think this is a pretty good conversation. Um, And I think anybody who listens is probably maybe gets a little bit more clarity whenever somebody hears the catchphrase, we're abandoning the Kurds. So... I think, uh, as we always do, we end on a scripture. 2 Samuel 2.26 is our scripture for the week. And it reads this, Abner called out to Joab, must the sword devour forever? Don't you realize that this will end in bitterness? How long before you order your men to stop pursuing their fellow Israelites? And I think this sort of fits in what we were talking about, like ending in bitterness. Mm -hmm. If you stay too long pursuing, and sometimes um, once you've, like what we talked about, knocking out ISIS, uh, you're almost pursuing the wind at this point, and you're you're pursuing something, mm-hmm. but you don't really have it have it down exactly what it is, and now you're just sticking around and you know, like you said, wearing out your welcome. It can and often does, and it has many times before, not just to the Americans, but. Um, a lot of Western countries ended in bitterness mm-hmm. and then retaliation. Yeah. So the Treaty of Versailles is a perfect example mm-hmm. where the uh, Europeans have been in conflict for, I would say, about 1,500 to 2,000 years, if you want to count, like, say, the Roman Empire. But after Rome fell, they were all fighting each other. After, during the medieval era, they were fighting each other. And fight. I mean, there were just wars, wars, wars. If you look at the history of Europe, mm-hmm. 100 years war, 30 years war, 80 years war. You had all these other wars for the Austrian succession, the Spanish succession, the Seven Years War. It's just an endless list of wars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the United States came in and, you know, they, we were not hated by, we, granted, Germany went to war with us. But they didn't hate Americans. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything like the hatred that they had for their fellow French or their fellow English. There has to come a time, um, I don't believe in so much in isolation, isolationism as in neutrality. I mean, even President uh, Washington said, do not get entangled in, in European, European affairs. Al- yes, yeah. European affairs. And granted, yes, I, I understand why NATO was created, yeah. but I don't. I don't know if we really need NATO now, mm-hmm. because I, I think had Russia become more aligned with Western Europe, yeah. Russia wouldn't even be seen as a threat anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would be concentrating on China and uh, radical Islamists, yeah. and we can just concentrate on business. Business as usual. Well, just just you know, spend all your time and effort in business, so that we don't have to have these large. And I think uh, maybe that's a conversation we can have later. But I think economic, you know, prosperity in other countries will help avoid a lot of these wars that take place um, and chaos. All right, Alan, where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter, Mm -hmm. and we have our very own website. Very exciting www.thesonsofhistory.com All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Go Astros. Let's go ahead and wrap up the World Series Championship this week. Let's let's get another ring on that finger. Yes. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hope you have a wonderful week. 
We will talk to you later. 